Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Hash It Out. We're your hosts, Victor, Deborah, Janae, and today we are going to be discussing colorism. So colorism is a huge topic and we will be talking about many things under that umbrella, but specifically we're going to be discussing colorism in the Latinx community. So before we get into that, we want to introduce our guest speaker today. So we have Arturo with us, and he is here representing the Latinx Student Association, or LSA, on campus. Um, he's a student here, and he's a great guy, but I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. All right, so hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Arturo Contreras Mejia. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. I'm a fourth-year student majoring in media arts and science, and I'm working on a minor in business. And I'm uh, part of LSA's executive board as the secretary this year. Um, just a little bit about what we do is we really strive to make everybody feel like at home here, especially in the Latinx community. And we help everyone find a familia here on campus. Awesome. Thank you for that. So without hesitation, we are going to dive right into the topic. So what is colorism? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines colorism as prejudice or discrimination, especially within a racial or ethnic group, favoring people with lighter skin over those with darker skin. One thought that just came to mind after you read that definition, Victor, is that colorism has many parallels with racism, but within minority communities, the value and treatment of people is often determined by their skin color. Definitely, Deborah. So now that we have a working definition of colorism, Next, we're going to lay down a framework for race and ethnicity since we're discussing colorism in the Latinx community. Deborah, would you like to start us off? Yeah, so I think that before I move on, it's important to talk about who the term Latinx is referring to. So Latinx is a gender neutral term and it refers to people from Latin American origin or descent. These Latin American countries include people from the Caribbean like Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, South America, Ecuador, Bolivia, Colombia, Peru, and Central America, Honduras, Costa Rica, etc. So going forward, when we use the term Latinx or Latinos, that is who we are referring to. Now let's talk about what race and ethnicity are and how they're different. Yeah, so race is defined as a category of humankind that shares certain distinctive physical traits. The term ethnicity is more broadly defined as large groups of people classed according to common racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural origin or background. Nadra Karim Mittel of ThoughtCo puts things really well. Nadra writes, it's common to see the terms race and ethnicity used interchangeably, but generally speaking, the meanings are distinct. So Arturo, would you like to speak a little bit about your experience with race and ethnicity? And if you don't mind, tell us, um, where you're from um, yeah so I'm from Mexico um, both of my parents are Mexican from Chihuahua my dad is from well my dad is from uh, El Distrito Federal Mexico City uh, met my mom in Chihuahua so that's base that's mostly where all my family's at uh, Chihuahua and the Ciudad Juarez uh, growing up I lived in El Paso Texas and there I saw a lot of brown faces, you know, um, just because it is one of the busiest uh, border towns, border crossings in all of America, right after uh, Tijuana and California. So 
one of my first experiences with uh, race and ethnicity and just really just identity really was when I was in the second grade. As I said, like before, I was from El Paso and all my schooling was done there. And, you know, you see a lot of uh, Mexican or Latino kids just there. So like people that looked like me, um, people that sounded like me that had similar upbringings and people who were familiar, you know, not just Latinx people, but uh, also white people in this country, like who very much were aware of Latinx people. And when I moved to Indiana in the second grade, one of the first questions I asked my mom, I, I remember, is, am I black? And uh, I am not. <laughs> I'm very much uh, Mexican and not even like Afro-Mexican either. Like I'm just indigenous. And so like when my mom heard that, she was kind of taken aback like, no, you're not black. But definitely like when the first time I heard that at school, I think I said yes, <laughs> mistakenly, just because, uh, you know, moreno is such a commonly used term. And what that means is just dark skin, like your, your skin's darker. So that's what they used to call me, morenito. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, they call me black. So I guess I am, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm definitely not. And it was just like coming to terms with who I was. So that was the first instance. And the next year, right after that, in third grade, we started taking I-Step. And in I-Step, it asks you to fill out your race and ethnicity. And all I knew at that point was my nationality. <laughs> So it said Hispanic, Latino, and I was like, where's the spot for Mexican? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I had to ask the teacher, like, what do I fill out? Like, I'm Mexican. So she, like, filled out like, Hispanic or Latino. And then after that, like, where I asked you for your ethnicity, I was just kind of lost. I think I just filled in something random just because, like, I didn't know what uh, I was supposed to fill out. And, I mean, even to this day, like, I don't really know. Um recently my parents did like those dna tests the uh, ancestry.com and we found that my mom uh was i want to say for the most part Tarahumara, which is the indigenous population of chihuahua and my dad like 60 percent or something is mostly european so that still puts me in a difficult spot so recently what i've been doing is filling out like native just because I feel like that fits me a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, I'm still not sure. Well, um, and that just kind of speaks to the idea of ethnicity and race kind of being misconstrued and just in general, people not having a clear understanding of, you know, what is race and what is ethnicity. Um, so, yeah. But without further hesitation, let's go ahead and um, move the conversation forward. And I'm going to let Janae discuss um, colorism. And just so you guys know, uh, we're not starting with the origins of colorism. Colorism goes past American colonialism. But um, today, Janae is going to just tell us a little bit about its history in America. So, Janae, take it away. I'm going to talk about where colorism originated from and why it is so deep-rooted in our society today. So, as we all remember... Um, the slave trade started in uh, 
slaves were taken from Africa and they were brought to the Americas and, uh, you know, islands, Central America, all that. So um, slave owners usually gave um, people with fair, fair complexions better treatment. And um, there is the idea that white skin is superior to dark skin, made derived from ruling classes typically having lighter complexions than peasant classes. Thus, dark skin became associated with lower classes and light skin became elite. Now we're going to look at the history of colorism in the Latinx community. So, building off of what you were saying, Janae, I watched a documentary, it's by PBS, and it's called Black and Latin America. While watching that documentary, a common theme I saw was that leaders definitely had a lot to do with implementing the belief that being white was better. They mentioned how even statues of important people in different countries tended to alter the appearance of those people to give them more white features. And one example that stood out to me was Trujillo a past dictator of the Dominican Republic who would do everything he could to appear white to other countries, from powdering his face to dressing as the French. He even went as far as using his leadership position to try to eliminate anyone from Haitian descent from the country. This resulted in the Parsley Massacre, where up to 20,000 people from Haitian descent were murdered. An interesting thing about that was that the reason it's called the Parsley Massacre was because his soldiers would stop people near the border, hold up some parsley, or perejil in Spanish, and asked them to say what it is. And if they rolled the R when they said perejil, it was assumed they were Dominican. But if they didn't roll the R when they said perejil, it was assumed that they were Haitian and they would automatically just be killed. And he instilled all this hate and fear towards black people in his time as a dictator in this country. And and in many of these Latin American countries, it was the leaders that have instilled that belief that white is superior. Any thoughts on this history, guys? So, Deborah, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. It's a topic that doesn't get talked about at all. Before um, this research, I actually had no idea about the massacre. And I think that it's something that we should learn about in um, educational spaces such as school. So thank you for bringing, bringing awareness to that topic. Yeah, and um, just like Janae, I had no idea of the Parsley Massacre. Um, didn't know what it was up until recently. And I think it's a shame that we're not really taught this history. Um, but while you were speaking, I realized the brown paper bag test was similar in certain ways. Both were designed to ensure the downfall and oppress um, black people. And just to give you guys some history, in the 19th and 20th century, the paper bag test was often utilized in hiring of black people. If someone was the same color as or lighter than a paper bag, they would be allowed into the space and or considered for hire. If they were any darker than a paper bag, they would not. And this didn't just occur in the workplace, it occurred in social circles as well. Yeah, so um, whiteness is definitely an ideology that prevails in Latinx communities um, with such phrases such as um, mejorar la raza, which means to better the race by marrying a white or lighter skin Latinx, or pelo malo, which translates to bad hair when referring to Afro textured hair. And these phrases and many others like them invite the stereotyping of people with Afro-Indigenous Latinx descendants, and it perpetuates anti-Black colorblind attitudes. And as a Latina, I think it's also important to think about what influences how a woman should look. So more often than not, the media does. And what does the media promote for a Latina? Medium, light brown skin, thick wavy hair, but not too curly, hourglass figure, and somewhere between the Santa meaning saint, and puta, meaning whore, um, dichotomy. 
So often, the Latinas who are darker are seen as the putas, whereas the light-skinned Latinas are seen as the santas. And if you observe the main people on TV networks like Telemundo or Univision, you see that there's a limited representation in the diversity of Latinidad. So what do you, what do you all think about how Latinos are represented in the media? And who are the Latinx people that you do see in the media? So typically I see lighter members of the Latinx community being represented in the media and not just light members, but those with features that align more with European beauty standards. This leaves little to no room for the representation of darker Latinx and Afro Latinx talent. And along with that, I just want to say that entertainment as an industry um, is one of the areas that colorism truly runs rampant in. Historically, every job in Hollywood, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera, has excluded people with dark skin. It really hasn't been up until the past couple of years that we've seen things begin to change, and prominent voices have begun to speak out against the discrimination based off of skin color. Just going off of what Deborah said, um, I definitely remember watching all those telenovelas, or like soap operas, I guess, is what they're called here, uh, with my mom and my grandma, and just seeing people of lighter skin you know uh not really anyone who looked uh like me or anyone in my family and it just kind of it was always in the back of my mind you know like oh yeah they're beautiful like someone with my skin tone like would not be considered beautiful in those situations just because they were often if they were uh in telenovelas like they would be playing like the poor characters or mm-hmm. like the maid or something like that like people of lower class mm-hmm. um but the people of like higher class would always be lighter skinned or white and it was just kind of i don't know it's something that's like followed me yeah definitely and um colorism affects every industry not just entertainment but it makes it harder for people with darker complexions to survive and thrive in their respected areas The NCCJ wrote an article on colorism that includes some disheartening worldwide statistics that reveal how colorism negatively affects darker people in different ways. The researchers found that lighter-skinned women were sentenced to approximately 12% less time than their darker-skinned counterparts. A 2006 University of Georgia study showed that employers prefer light-skinned black men to dark-skinned men, regardless of their qualifications. A light-skinned black male with a bachelor's degree and a typical work experience was preferred over a dark-skinned black male with an MBA and past managerial positions. A law professor at Vanderbilt University conducted a study of over 2,000 immigrants from around the world and found that those with the lightest skin earned on average 8 to 15% more than similarly qualified immigrants of darker hues. Another study dark-skinned defendants are most likely to be convicted and receive the death penalty than lighter-skinned ones. One thing I found really interesting in the research was India's skin lightening cream promises an even tone of glowing skin with skin lightening. It's called Fair and Lovely. And I mean, it's in the name, Fair and Lovely. So they associate lighter skin with being more beautiful and more valuable. Um, The last study found dark-skinned Brazilians make up 63% of the poorest sectors of Brazil. And that just shows how um, darker people are disadvantaged and often put down to the point where it affects their socioeconomic status. Are you guys surprised by any of these statistics? It was a little sad to hear about the death penalty one, um, that people with... um, 
darker complexions are more likely to be executed by the state and get the death penalty I think that's just crazy to think about um just very sad and like unnerving Mm -hmm. and um Janae do you want to go ahead and just you know talk about the effects of colorism when it comes to beauty and um that industry I will so whitening creams are best sellers in the U.S. Asia and other nations Mexican-American women in Arizona, California, and Texas have reportedly suffered from mercury poisoning after using the white and creams to bleach their skin. It's also very popular in India, like you said, with the brand Fair and Lovely, Um, but uh, skin bleaching targets both men and women with dark skin in India. Thank you, Janae. Artara is going to go ahead and speak about some of that colorism and prejudice in the Latinx community, specifically in Brazil. So colorism is very well and alive today, unfortunately, in many Latinx countries. One such example is Brazil, which in 2013, the annual Miss Brazil beauty pageant, uh, Nayara Justino, and I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, a Brazilian native with darker skin tone won, and the people got mad. In fact, they got so mad that they rescinded the decision and they chose someone with a lighter skin tone. Now that just speaks volumes about how deep-rooted uh, colorism is today just because and I've seen I've seen the pictures of uh, Nayara again I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong but she is a very very beautiful woman and just because of her skin tone people said no she is not um, and they gave the victory to someone else who probably didn't deserve it as much as her and like you see examples of this like going on pretty much everywhere um people with lighter or darker skin aren't really considered beautiful but also having darker skin can put you in legal trouble especially here in the u.s now i heard this from when i was in the sixth grade so i had to do a little bit of research on it and there was a law in arizona that was it wasn't passed but it did get brought up if you got pulled over or stopped by a cop and they thought that you were an undocumented immigrant that they could ask you for your citizenship now while doing this research i did find a video of that time so 10 years ago um on the news someone said and i quote if your name is susan no one's going to ask you for your citizenship but if your last name is sanchez or gonzalez they might and just giving that kind of power to anyone really that's not you know made to do that is just baffling and upon further research i found that not only it wasn't only arizona indiana also had a similar law come into effect um and that's really just insane to me that just because of the way i look and my name someone can ask me for my citizenship and it's happened actually in fourth grade so two years prior um i was in class we were talking about something and i just i can't remember exactly what we were talking about but what i what i do remember is that in front of the whole class my fourth grade teacher asked me about my immigration status if i was legal or not and i mean as a child like you don't really pay too much mind to that 
Um, so I was just kind of like stunned for a little bit and I guess I was just like, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. What does that mean? It wasn't until a few years ago that I realized like that's a really messed up question to ask in the first place. And on top of that, she asked a child that. A child who she knows, like she knows my mom. She's worked with her. My mom's a teacher in the same school district. My mom's a very well-known teacher in the same school district. Um, so the fact that she didn't ask my mom, but she asked me in front of all the other students, first of all, just speaks to like how cowardly. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little mm -hmm. heated, but like no, I, every time I remember this, it's just like a pain point. Like, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a swear, I gotta do it. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, seriously? Yeah. In front of everybody, and. On top of that, like, why do you need to know? Mm -hmm. Is it any of your business at all? No. So, like, it's... And she asked me because of my skin tone. Right. I was going to say, sure. she would not have asked you that question if you were lighter. Yeah. Like, my... I call him my baby cousin. He's 10 years old. My baby cousin, Logan, his name is Logan Bowen. He is half white, half Mexican. He will not get asked that, ask that question. He has brown hair, light skin. I guarantee you he will not get asked that question. Maybe, I, I really hope he doesn't get asked that question because that's just so disrespectful, but like he's light skinned, so he will never face that. Right. The chances of him, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and it's not like it could never happen. It could happen, right. but the chances of him being asked that question are much smaller than the chances of you being asked that question because you are darker and because he is, you know, right. white passing. So right. there is that. Um, so yeah, thank you for talking about that, Arturo. Several minutes ago, I mentioned the brown paper bag test within the African-American community, which built off of the history of colorism and slavery in America. But now I want to discuss how it has evolved a little bit. So since the brown paper bag days, colorism has further divided the African-American community. On social media, you see black people taking pictures of themselves or taking selfies and using hashtags like team light skin or team dark skin. And I think we all can remember several years ago when social media colorism really began to run rampant. Um, so Deborah, Janae, Arturo, what are your thoughts on this? And do you remember this? So I definitely remember this. Uh just seeing all the memes that came up from it like oh dark skin guys be like or light skin guys be like and you know like people are really creative so i thought they were funny at first but then like i started seeing like past the the humor on top of it i was like well this is kind of really messed up like you know you're really gonna judge someone just entirely based on their skin color like just to make humor on that i thought we were past that mm -hmm. very early on middle school um, a friend of mine like used the hashtag um, Team Caramel Skin, and um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not even kidding. And I remember being like, "What? Like, I don't understand. Like, why are you trying to differentiate yourself from, you know, everybody else who looks like you, black people?" Um, I, I didn't understand that. Um, but like you said, Arturo. Um, on social media, you do see memes and jokes, um, and I will say a little bit of that um, is lighthearted, 
but at the end of the day it stems from colorism it stems from damaging stereotypes i've seen a lot of tweets saying like oh light-skinned uh boys do this or oh they think this or you know they think they're prettier i don't know just something random things random like that but then if you think about it it comes from the idea that um you know light-skinned people were made to believe that they were better than dark-skinned people and then so dark-skinned people still to this day have this resentment like oh, okay you think you're better than me just because you're you know you're light um but yeah so moving on because we're talking about colorism in different industries such as the beauty industry and media as well as the internet i think it's really important to discuss colorism through the lens of society and people so to reiterate universally across races and in our society people push the idea that darker skin as well as the facial features that come with darker skin are not as beautiful society also assigns negative characteristic traits to people with darker skin and these have developed into harmful degrading and disrespectful stereotypes my next talking point i wasn't going to bring this up but i think i am so um i was you know on twitter the other day and i found a video of um some high school students a black girl a darker black girl was um asking uh, other black boys what they thought about you know dating black women and specifically darker women and most of the boys said they wouldn't date a dark woman because they think dark women are loud or aggressive or mean and you know like janae just said people attach these really negative characteristics to dark women and they don't do that to light women or light people in general so um just building off what janae and you said like um and also what deborah said a lot earlier into the podcast she said the phrase para mejorar la raza so in the latinx community that's a very strong saying that goes around a lot uh para mejorar la raza like you got to be thinking about that and what that means again is to better the race so um growing up you would hear that like oh you got a dater just because you know para mejorar la raza you need to better your race uh don't take black girls like, because you know they're ugly you don't want, no you don't want that or they're too loud they're too ratchet stuff like that and i would hear that around my family specifically like like I, I would hear this with my family like they'd say oh para mejorar la, para mejorar la raza and specifically like i remember when i was my graduation party um i invited my girlfriend at the time over and she was white and my family acted very positively toward her even though they couldn't communicate with her you know language barrier but um when they left like or when she left like they were telling me like oh no she's super beautiful like her eyes her hair everything is beautiful and i'm like y'all really just commented on the very superficial stuff like mm -hmm. you didn't say like not once did they say anything about how she acted about like how she was as a person even though they couldn't understand like what she was saying you can tell like a way a person acts right mm -hmm. um that's not a language barrier mm -hmm. but what was very clear to me was that they were they had that mentality of you know mejorar la raza like bettering your race because you're dating a white woman and just seeing that is very disheartening because i know if i ever date someone of a darker skin tone that my family won't be too happy about that mm -hmm. and um i have 
I have a personal experience um, that kind of goes into what you were saying. So not only is there colorism within communities, but it goes across communities. So my sister actually dated somebody several years back of Latin descent. And I specifically remember her telling me that her boyfriend at the time didn't want to bring her home because so his mother didn't want him bringing home a black woman. And so that just goes to show you the colorism across communities. Um, any other thoughts? Like you have to date someone who's like light skinned. Like I don't want you dating like black people. Like that's not okay. Like you need to date like someone who's white and they would emphasize like, oh, but white people are so beautiful. They have like nice like colored eyes. Their skin is so beautiful. They have great hair. And, you know, that kind of like reinforced that, you know, that idea of that white is beautiful. And another experience I had kind of like with that is that, well, like growing up, I have like um, a darker shade of skin tone than the majority of my family, um, especially on my mother's side, which was the family I mostly interacted with. And so out of love, my mom would call me her um, trigañita, which basically means like my little like dark skinned, olive skinned. Um, little girl I guess um, and she never meant it in like an insulting way she was like you know I love your color you're beautiful and so that's how I grew up thinking oh I'm, soy tri soy I'm, I'm pretty I like my skin color um, and then I remember when I was like seven um, my cousin came up to me and she was like you know like just out of the blue she was just like you know Deborah I think the reason why you're uglier than me is because your dad is like blacker and so that makes your skin darker and that's just why you're ugly like if if your dad would have been like not so dark maybe you would have been as pretty as me oh, no. and like she literally just said that out of nowhere and she was only one year older than me so she was like eight and like already had these like deep-rooted thoughts about beauty in her head and she just thought that because my dad who um, has a mixture of indigenous and African like um, ancestors that because my mom you know had me with my dad that that was the reason that I was ugly because my skin was darker and here like that was the that was the first time I'd ever thought like looking at my skin am I ugly like that was like the first time I was like but I thought my skin was beautiful yeah so that was like kind of when I really had to like question like myself and like my skin tone and I was like what <laughs> say whatever like <laughs> like whatever yeah you're just a hater <laughs> well but that's beautiful that your mom so remind me what was the term that she would call you um trigañita. yeah so and you said that meant like my beautiful yeah so it it's basically refers to like dark-skinned like olive-skinned people yeah. um but like when she said i know she's talking about like my beautiful dark little girl was like what she was maybe like referring to yeah and um Janae, go ahead, actually, because I, I think I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I'll let you talk first. I don't think that's a privilege that a lot of us don't recognize growing up, having someone instill in you that your skin is beautiful. Um, my experience is a little different than Deborah's, but um, I lived in Gary, Indiana uh, most of my childhood, and I didn't move to um, a predominantly white neighborhood until freshman year of high school. Never thought about my skin color before, like, you know. You know, I just thought, you know, this is what I look like, but um, it's like really crazy. Like you move to a predominantly white uh, place and you know, you're maybe like two or three black people, and, you know, you think you're beautiful, but they don't because they've been raised in this predominantly white neighborhood and they've never been told by anybody that, you know, their skin is beautiful. So Deborah, I thought that, that was a pretty um, 
important point that we really need to instill that in our children. Um, you know, that brown is beautiful, black is beautiful. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to, you know, wish you're white. Like, love yourself. Young people need that. Kids need that. They need to hear that their skin is beautiful regardless, you know, because when they are in school, they are going to hear other kids calling them names. I mean, I was called darky. I was called blacky. I was called all kinds of things. And nobody ever meant it in a positive way. Nobody was ever like, oh, Victor, your skin's so dark and it's beautiful. No, like it was used to like literally degrade me as a person and to, you know, just make me feel like other. And that plays into internalized racism and colorism. So, you know, it's really damaging, especially when you're a kid. But, you know, we do need that encouragement. That's why you see, you know, on social media, people, you know, posting selfies and whatnot and, you know, using captions such as like, I love my dark skin or my skin is beautiful or, you know, like I love all this melanin. And it's because for years we've been told that our dark skin is ugly and we're not beautiful because of that and um so i think it's really beautiful to see this movement recently with all this love and support and encouragement for people um, of darker skin and black people it's really beautiful so um as we wrap up just so you guys know the four of us um deborah janae and arturo um, and myself included we all come from different racial and ethnic backgrounds and that truly goes to show you how colorism is a universal issue so um before we conclude does anybody have final thoughts yeah so i think one of like the biggest takeaways here is kind of realizing that um we do have these like social constructs in our head um and i think we already sent like a big message a big i love you to all the people with darker skin tones um but for those of you listening who may be like a lighter complexion and this is like a new topic for you because you've never personally experienced it um you know i just want to like kind of thank you for listening um i think that's an important first step education um and i also kind of just want to say that it's important to be able to recognize um your privileges um i guess i just wanted to say that being able to recognize that this is a social construct and that even if like your first thought when you came like when you come across a dark person is to question um their beauty mm-hmm. as long as you like take that step and say wait no I don't actually think that like that's not true like that that could be the difference between making someone's day and making them feel like like garbage mm-hmm. and um you know just before we go um I want to leave you all with a question. Deborah kind of posed the question, but you know, once you guys are done listening to this podcast and go about your lives, think about the ways that you uphold colorism. And, you know, I want you guys to ask yourselves those questions. You know, why do I think this way about this person? Or um, what have I been taught to believe about, you know, these people? Really question what you've been taught and what you believe and that will make you a better person so Arturo's gonna go ahead uh, before we close out and plug LSA and then we're gonna be done for today so as I said uh, I am part of the Latinx Student Association here on campus Um, if you identify as Latinx or not and just want to learn more about our culture community and everything like that please feel free to come by uh, check us out on Instagram at Latinosa or Latin as Latino essay 
underscore IUPY. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be posting all of our events. In October, we got a surprise for y'all, so keep your eyes out for that. Ooh, okay. Stay tuned, guys. Um, so once again, thanks for tuning in. Continue the conversation on our Facebook page, Social Justice Education, um, IUPY on Twitter and Instagram at sjed underscore IEPY or using the hashtag hash it out IEPY. Um, shout out to John Greenhoe in the digital media production space um, here on campus and uh, tune in next Monday. <laughs>